Hello, this is uh, Seth. You are listening to Locked and Moded uh, with me and my esteemed colleague, Jason Daphnis. Is that what I am? Not anymore. I take it back. I, me and a guy. I think I just called you a friend on the first episode. So oh, I, man. They're going to get the wrong idea quickly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're here today to talk about, you know, the latest goings on in the games industry. And the first thing I wanted to talk about, and that was the EA acquisition of Respawn, the developers of the Titanfall series. Uh, that happened earlier this week. And I guess before I get any further into it, what was your first reaction when you read the news, Jason? Oh, first reaction? Obviously, first reaction is, you know, they're dead in five years <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, it's hard to avoid that because so with Visceral so recently in the news, it was very hard to, you know, stop myself from that conclusion. I know there's something way more reasonable to be said about, especially post-Visceral's, mm-hmm. you know, closure with like the redistribution of, uh, you know, um, development efforts and stuff and how they're being given a couple of their own Star Wars projects. But yes, first... First read, uh, R.I.P. Respawn. I think. The, I hope they have a couple lives left. The the uh, ooh, the reasoned ooh. response is dead in three years. Actually, <laughs> whoa! Uh, you care to care to explain that? Well, one? no. I mean, I read the news that EA acquired them. They had a bidding war with Nexon, and after they acquired them. I think it was for $400 million. They put them in charge of the new Star Wars game, which was, like you just mentioned it earlier, the thing that Visceral was put in charge of and was working on for years on end. Just a lot of creative back and forth, executive back and forth, all these, you know, shuffling of assets. And it, 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 it's out of, it's, it's a bad penny. It's like, cursed indian burial ground like it's it's where studios go to die is working on this ea open world star wars game and i mean i think it goes without saying that ea has like a track record of taking these mid-level studios and you know dumping resources into them which is good but having these incredibly lofty expectations for the IPs they created post-acquisition, and then, you know, it doesn't meet their sales forecasts, and then they they shutter them. Uh, The lone exception I can think is uh, Bioware, and that already had, you know, a lot of, you know, consumer goodwill already built up with, like, Baldur's Gate and Jade Empire and Knights of the Old Republic. So, like, yeah, I'd, I really just don't know what is the best. I get re- the actual reasonable take reading about Respawn. I would think that if you just step back from, again, if you look back at the history of it and even, like, the more recent uh, developments, obviously, yeah, it's... You know, it doesn't spell good things, no matter how much money they paid for them, no matter how many projects are on the line. It's really easy to fall into that, um, you know, it, it, they're sort of on the way out already. But 
Uh, I think that the more reasoned option here, and this is, I speak as somebody who doesn't have an incredible, like, detailed history of EA, but I am aware of, like, the connotation of some of their business practices, is that, you know, maybe they're getting their heads on straight about it. And the reason, one of the reasons that they did what they did with uh, Visceral was so that they could sort of uh, restructure a little bit the project and this, uh, you know, whatever direction this new Star Wars game is going to take uh, sort of allows them to pursue that a little more freely, maybe. Uh, or at least, I mean, I, I personally am excited about the idea of Respawn doing a Star Wars game. If you played, I played a bit of Titanfall 1. I think I played the beta. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, played through the campaign and a little bit of multiplayer on Titanfall 2. And I think there's, like, there's some talented people there with some really good ideas. I really hope, really hope whatever, the, whatever their strengths are can translate well to a Star Wars game. But if you're speaking from a, um, sort of the, uh, EA phobic sphere, right. yeah, it's definitely, it's not good news. I mean, I, I agree, you know, that they definitely know what they're doing. Titanfall is a really good game. Titanfall 2, they, you know, got their feet wet with uh, a good story mode. I just, uh, I don't know. Just, just some, something about it just doesn't bode well. Because I read so much about the visceral closing, it just kind of smacks of the same thing, where they might be more familiar with, you know, the tech EA has, like the Frostbite engine, because it, they have work in first-person shooters. But everything I've read about this open-world Star Wars game is it's going to be like a third-person action game. So that gives me pause, knowing like how how easily will their talent translate? Oh wait, wait! The project that respawns being put on is is the the continuation of the uh, visceral and EA motive that deal. That was my understanding from the the press releases I had read. Although that could have just been speculation at this point, but. They are working on a Star Wars open world game. Hmm. Well, I mean, go through then. Like, let's see what other studios have been acquired and made defunct by EA. Like, is 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 that a good bead by which we can sort of track the trajectory here? Well, I mean, the bit the big ones, visceral pandemic uh and those are the only two i ever cared about <laughs> so <laughs> uh no it, it looks like a couple of maxis studios yeah and came so, under the fold and then went under the ground yeah i mean there is a history and there is like it it just seems like a story too familiar for me mm-hmm. um which kind of just makes me think what is the future of any sort of studio that comes out with an IP, you know, mm-hmm. like is the goal only to get big enough to get acquired and then, you know, three to five years just crushed and have your IP sold like to the highest bidder. Well, yeah, I mean, that's generally how a lot of businesses and industries work, right? Is, uh, 
you, you do, you work, you put out what, what you're going to be remembered for. And yeah, you, the owners, if they don't have, you know, a very personal stake in it, if they don't have a real interest in seeing the company to, you know, its next thing, probably do, uh, you know, uh, jettison it at a profit and go on to something else. Uh, I think that sort of has changed as the years have gone on with games when, when they became like a multi-billion dollar business. Um, and when they became bigger than the movie business, obviously there's got to be some overriding like market determination to, uh, to just profit from them, you know? And I think that's, I think a, a lot of what EA's done in the last few years isn't, or at least all of their, most of their, uh, uh, projects and that they've, you know, either restructured or, uh, studios that they've sold off or, or closed have become, are just victim to like bigger business practices. It's not a matter of, oh, we hate people who play the games and, you know, we deny their, their loyalty. It's just literally, it's just business, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, it sucks. I'm not saying that it doesn't suck that Visceral's game is being sort of, uh, canned and that all those people are now uh, either, you know, working at different segments of EA or out of a job, I, I think that does suck, personally. If I were in that position, I would think it sucks as much as, you know, any of my coworkers. But uh, it is not because EA hates video games or hates the people who play them or make them. It, you know, mm-hmm. their business practices aren't great, but it is ultimately because they are a business first and foremost. Sure. Speaking of business. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's stay on this for a second. Okay. I want to ask you a question that I want you to answer as realistically as possible. Sure. Should we be worried about Bioware? I think a lot of it depends on Anthem. Honestly. Oh, obviously. That's, that's no, the I mean, only game that they've got slated for the next, well, ever, I guess. Sure. Um, I think it's pretty clear that the, the sort of quote-unquote B-team was put on Andromeda so they could focus their assets on Anthem and Anthem, you know, just sort of... I'm I'm optimistic because it's Bioware and they have a good handle on creating, you know, like, sci-fi worlds. But realistically, it's EA's you know, counterpoint to Activision's destiny. Um, oh, obviously. Yeah, it's I mean... sort of writing a new wave of, uh, you know, story-based multiplayer games and games as a service, etc. Exactly. And so, I think... I mean, yeah, to speak, you know, just plainly, if Bioware, Bioware will go where Anthem goes... Uh, if it's successful, then I see them, you know, continuing to, uh, support and develop stuff. I think that's going to become their new pillar after the Mass Effect series. Um, if not, (laughs) then, I mean, I think it's pretty conceivable that Bioware could, you know, follow the same, the same route. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, I guess I'm looking at it from this, you know, that angle at the same time as... EA as a publisher has always liked to, if not annualize, then put out frequently titles in their biggest series. Uh, and obviously like between Dragon Age Inquisition in 2014 and, uh, Andromeda this year, 
all they did, all they like put out was uh, Star Wars The Old Republic um, DLC and expansion packs, uh, which I would imagine that that, you know, being not a primary mover of units, uh, did maybe that put a little bit of pressure on EA or on Bioware to like start drumming up something bigger, like you say, with Anthem. So I'm wondering if how how long could we reasonably push Anthem into the future? Because I don't, based on what we saw, I think it was at this year's E3, right? Yeah. It was just announced this year. Yeah. Based on what we saw, I am not confident that game is coming out in 2018. I think it looks very good. I think it looks like they've got a really great seed of an idea, but I don't think that it's, uh, you know, the kind of thing that's going to be finalized next year and and released and boxed and sold. So if it is 2019, that'll put two years between major like tentpole Bioware releases, uh, barring anything else we might find out about, you know, between now and, uh, and next E3. But I, I guess that does it. The more we think about it, the more uncomfortable it become with the history, with the future of Bioware, just because like you said, it was the B team, so to speak on Andromeda, but it's not like, uh, it wasn't a Mass Effect game right. it, for all intents and purposes has like put a pause on that entire series. Right. Mm-hmm. So now they're all of their eggs in, are in this basket. And if this basket doesn't, you know, come to fruition as quickly, I mean, I don't think that commercial performance is the only thing that can ruin a game or a studio. Like it can be sort of their team management. It can be their uh, time compression skills. It can be sort of the, the value of their time in the eyes of the publisher. Mm-hmm. So uh, if it push gets pushed out to 2019, I'd be pretty worried if I were if I were a Bioware employee. I don't have any uh you know insider knowledge on the development strategies, but some yeah some, right no, yeah exactly I I actually I am best friends with Bobby Kotick. I am best friends Whoa. with Bill Gates. I am best. Can you can you uh, tell Todd Howard I said hi? I'll tell Todd, Todd Howard I said hi. Uh, Neil Druckmann, we're buds. Uh, you know me and Reggie. Reggie. Anyway, the thing Oops. I was gonna say, <laughs> Nintendo America. I I know. Oh oh oh. Anyway, God. the thing I was gonna say. Yeah, this is not a thing, humor yeah, podcast. Yeah, we shouldn't. It shouldn't be. Not at this point. Uh, it's exactly why I'm trying it because I know that <laughs> the only way it will not be funny is if I try to make it funny. Right. Uh, the thing I was going to say is I almost wonder if they're looking at destiny as the blueprint where destiny, when it first came out was polished, but it felt like a very unfinished product. And so all of the, the core gameplay mechanics were there, but you didn't really have anything to do with it. That you, I mean, when I played through it, I finished the story mode, uh, you know, in maybe three days of, you know, semi-casual playing. And, uh, and then that was it. And then, you know, they drummed up more interest with the Taken King and, uh, House of Wolves, I believe it was called. And like mm-hmm. these paid expansions that came out afterwards. And it wasn't until, uh, two years after the game came out. That, you know, a lot of the, the gaming community, Destiny's gaming community, felt that it was like a very full, rich experience. And so sometimes I almost look, I mean, basically like Anthem and this whole games as a service idea 
one of the biggest things you want to do is create retention. And so like when Anthem comes out, it's going to have a lot of awareness. It's going to have a lot of, you know, people that are just going to buy gonna it. It's going to have hype. It's going right? to have hype. It's going to have hype. It, I mean, the EA, or sorry, the E3, uh, announcement trailer got me excited. And all I know is that you can fly around and shoot rockets like you bumble like around Man. in these and, big exosuits. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, even just that as a concept, uh, you know, has me intrigued enough that if they put the game out, I would consider buying it. And, you know, if I come to find out after I buy it that there's going to be DLC released, you know, in six months and then again in nine months and then again in 12 months, you know, like Mm -hmm. I am, you know, I'm in that that funnel now. I think you're right that they are looking at Destiny as if not a blueprint, then at least watching where their original game fumbled, uh, where it like. Like you said, it was very fo- very polished. It very was very like as uh, mechanically, it was very uh, satisfying as a shooting video game, and then sort of its overall structure left people wanting a little more. You know, a, a substantial single player experience, um, less emphasis on you know the multiplayer. And I think they've apparently I still haven't played Destiny two, but apparently in the sequel they have fleshed that out and sort of satisfied a lot of what people didn't like about the first game. And delivered more of what people did. Uh, but, and I, I say this only as like, uh, an innate feeling, sort of a gut reaction. I don't know if Destiny 2 was planned to come out, you know, two, three years after the original, when the original came out. I think they were hoping to get a, squeeze a little bit more out of the first game before having to move into a full fledged, like, numbered sequel of the game. Uh, no, it just felt, it just felt that way to me because like they were hoping that the new that this game would sort of develop a new paradigm for at least console based uh first person shooters in that it could be it could function like uh you know like a world of warcraft type you know no that that's exactly what i had heard like when i was reading about the development of destiny yeah they were looking at this as like minimum like 5 to 7 years of like destiny Really? Yeah. Uh, exactly what you said, too. Like, a persistent online multiplayer world like these PC-based, you know, gigantic MMOs. And I guess, yeah, that's almost... I guess that brings up the the question is, like, what is it about the consumption habits of console gamers that wouldn't sustain that compared to PC gamers because I, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a huge question. That is a pretty big question. Yeah. But, uh, but like, that's exactly what happened, you know, like somewhere along the line, interest started dwindling and, you know, you, you still maintain this, this core audience, but it, you know, it wasn't making headlines you know the the DLC releases were you know the the second or third on what comes out this week lists uh and that you know sort of became it i mean they to be fair they did have a big release with the taken king i do remember that 
that right and they did like they did have a pretty loyal player base i remember like meeting people and talking to people who still played that game you know two years after it was first released they were still really deep into it but it took the really really dedicated people sure. to want to keep going with the series mm -hmm. and i think that they want to position it more as like uh a, a not only like longevity and depth but accessibility as well I think that'll be one of the challenges Anthem has in building a big player base that's going to stick with it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that you bring up like, what is it about console gaming and sort of the audience that Destiny tried to reach that makes them so much harder to reach than something like PC players? Uh, and in my own experience, like as games have sort of caught up as consoles and uh, console game developers have sort of caught up to the modern age of uh, communication and interaction and, uh, you know, social spaces, etc. It's become like that has become a desirable piece of it for me to be able to play games with friends, to be able to like uh, track my progress in, in an online database and sort of uh, watch my my experience grow as as I'm playing it. Uh, but at the same time, I also like hope and expect for the more traditional bits of a console game being that it's, you know, got a strong single player experience that it's got uh, a lot of meat there if I don't want that. Uh, and I don't know that like a whole lot of PC gaming has really uh, latched onto those, those same traditional desires. No, I mean, that definitely makes sense just from like a hardware perspective, given like, it wasn't until the past console generation that we had, you know, truly dedicated, you know, interconnectivity, like multiplayer systems that were across all games. Uh, and, you know, thing like software, you know, trophies and stat, you know, tracking right, and things right. like that. While computers you know definitely had a head start on that because pcs were always connected mm -hmm. well you know always yeah. connected for fun it, functionally, functionally for video for, gaming. for pc yeah. gaming yeah exactly um and so i think almost just as a medium you know i think i think at some point you almost have to look at the development of PC gaming culture separate from console gaming culture because they arose out of, you know, different environments with different tools available to them. And I think that those tools shaped people's expectations about what games they play on them. But, oh, absolutely. But now that console gaming has got gotten to a point where they are, you know, for, for better or for worse, you know, all... PC Master Race aside, comparable to the experiences that they give. Now we're getting in, you know, to the nuts and bolts of what is it about an MMO? What is it about, you know, a single player offline narrative that makes people want to do this? And then how can they coexist? How do we make them coexist? You know, I I guess that's that's the million dollar question that that we're trying to right. get to. And I mean, developers are still learning that. Like, sure. they had some good lessons with Destiny. Uh, there have been a few other outings that have you know worked here and there in different capacities. But I don't think anybody's found that you know golden ratio of 
focus on single player to focus on multiplayer sort of and sort of an integration of of the whole social aspect of it mm. right i mean you look at some of the bigger uh multiplayer games of the last few years and i think of like uh maybe not big as in successful but big as in like uh well established like releases or anticipated titles and i think of um star wars battlefront and how the only thing that I ever heard from anybody in person about that game was how much it sucked that it didn't have a, a single player, <laughs> like a real single player experience right. and that you had to go online to play. And it was just like, whatever. And I guess they've, uh, you know, uh, made up for that to some extent with star Wars battlefront two, but that aside, it just, it feels like nobody is quite sure yet exactly how that's supposed to work. And that, when you throw that into the mix of, Again, like how video games, especially when dictated by larger publishing groups like EA, mm -hmm. when you throw that element, that fact that like even uh, veterans of the industry haven't yet figured out that model, uh, it really doesn't make me feel comfortable with the future of something like Bioware. Because if, if Mass Effect is off the table and they don't introduce any other IPs and they're really putting everything into Anthem and it still comes off with a hitch, like... Yeah. It's that whole, it's that whole McDonald's thing you were telling me about how like, <laughs> uh, sure they, you know, we, we profited and we made more money than last year, but at a slower rate than we did last year. It Fire took us sale. a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and then it just all goes up for market and people go insane. It's just once you get past a certain like critical mass, mm -hmm. it's an expectation. It's a, it, it, it's a need sort of for these larger companies to produce that kind of revenue. It's you know, disappointing from down here on the ground. Right. But when you think about it from the logic of a business profitability to loss ratio, like, of course they are. I think it's, I think it's shitty, but I, of course they are. It's not, it shouldn't be a surprise. Shouldn't feel like a slap in the face. Sure. Again, I don't mean to turn that back on like the people who made these games, obviously talented developers who don't deserve to have had their jobs liquidated that, you know, abruptly, but at the same time as a business decision, it it makes sense. It's shitty, but it makes sense. Right. Again, thinking of shitty business decisions <laughs> and things that leave people's entire <laughs> livelihoods up to up to absolute debate. A plus you pivot. Wanna, a plus pivot. A plus, yeah, right, right. I was looking for it for the last twenty six minutes. Right. I was looking for just the right pivot, and there it was. Uh do you want to do you want to talk about the next one? I I kind of led last episode. Sure. So. Yeah. Uh, the other sort of industry news that came out of this week was Telltale Games was currently you know restructuring their company to the tune of laying off twenty five percent of their workforce. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think they said given their size, it's about ninety people. Uh. Yeah, I, I read somewhere some time ago when they were coming out with, I forget what title they were supporting, but uh, one of their communications reps said that they had about 400 people working at the time. Mm. So if that number hasn't fluctuated too much, yeah, it's probably close to 100 people. Yeah. Um, uh, When we were discussing bringing up this topic, I know I said to you, like, <laughs> the only thing I knew to say about Telltale was their games didn't resonate with me. But I, th more and more I thought about it, I guess that sort of is the proof in the pudding that I'm, I have like a pretty wide taste in video games. But the fact 
that no iteration of these games that they're making, despite their production value, despite their use of licensed IP, despite, you know, very good writing. Right. It just never... Never clicked. Never clicked. So, again, I guess, since the the theme of this thing is like, it's shitty dot 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 but it's business <laughs> uh yeah i i don't regret saying that but i regret how it comes off right yeah i that's kind of how i like, feel where i was like they're they're in dire straits uh but if you know the life raft they throw out to me is another point and click narrative adventure then i'm gonna let them drown <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, yikes. way too macabre Way too much. That was way too macabre. People's lives are on the line I, with this. Come on. I, Put some taste on this. I, Put some spec on it. All right. I no, would... I, yeah. That, that's that's what this is for. You can say awful, terrible things, and because only 15 people <laughs> have ever heard this podcast, you will be okay in saying Worst it. Worst case scenario uh, is I get dragged online, and that goes viral, and we get a bigger listening base. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be pretty good if you made a tweet about this too. Okay, like Sounds then somebody good. could screen cap it sure. and sort of uh, crop it and like resize it too many times so that it's super pixelated and super compressed, and then you can retweet it with an LOL, and it'll just like set everybody off. You're gonna do that to me, aren't you? Excuse me. <laughs> uh, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, what 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 was your uh, your reaction? Well, my reaction. Before we get to my reaction, I want to go through, and maybe it'll help contextualize, I want to go through some of the games that Telltale has put out in the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. So we can call probably the, their CSI games from the uh, late late oh, late aughts, early tens. We can call those, uh, along with like the Back to the Future game, Jurassic Park, we can call those sort of the, the breeding ground mm-hmm. of what became their like flagship franchises i guess uh and then of course in 2013 well 2012 i guess going into 2013 we had the walking dead Mm -hmm. and then in 2013 to 2014 the wolf among us then walking dead season two tales from the borderlands game of thrones minecraft walking dead michonne batman walking dead the new frontier (laughs) guardians of the galaxy minecraft again Mm -hmm. um batman again the walking dead again and well, I guess that's next year. And then again, next year, the Wolf Among Us season two. Uh, that's, that's a lot of essentially, and I don't mean to rag on like the development, uh, capabilities of these, of the people who made these games, but that's a lot of times to make the same game yeah. again and again. No, right. It's, it's hefty. And I, I forget the order in which all this happened, but I know that some time ago, uh, Lionsgate films pumped a bunch of money into them. It was something like $500 million gave them a bunch of money for, I I mean, obviously it was an investment uh, probably towards some more licensed IP. Uh, and, you know, they've been taking on more and more projects and stuff. Uh, and word is that even with these sort of the, the, um, the layoffs and cuts have not been all, to one specific department and they haven't been all like they haven't affected all departments Mm -hmm. either it's not like it's been uh pulled you know here and there from from everybody 
Uh, so I don't know what the restructuring actually looks like on a percentage basis, but word also is that they not only plan to keep this same rate of, of releases going, uh, with the walking dead and, um, and the wolf among us next year, but actually to up production. And that is mm. kind of what gives me pause. That is that that's what that's what colors my take at this is that with only 75% of their original workforce in which they produced what a good dozen games over the last two or three years, they are now not only looking to match that, but up it. And that gives me serious pause. No, that sounds like a breeding ground for just uh, just rushed products. Yeah, and if there's if there's one studio that really deserves to not have that stigma, I think it's Telltale because I think that some of their games writing and some of their scripting is some of the best in games. At when it's be- when it's really good, it's really good. Uh, but like their technical side has always flagged, right? Well, it's also if if they're restructuring because they're not meeting business goals. What? I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I don't think the the solution is you know we're not selling enough product X, so let's just produce more of it. You know, like you gotta you gotta change the product, not not yeah. make it more readily available. It's it's well, that, it, or, it's yeah. episodic digital content. Like the demand will always like there will always be a supply. So, I don't. I don't, yeah, oh, that's, that's, that is very, you know, chin stroking. This, this does not bode well. Well, wasn't there, I think they had, didn't somebody just take over as CEO? I'm trying to find the headline again, but along with that, uh, just, just in September, I think, mm-hmm. uh, somebody else, the guy who was formerly with Zynga, I think. Came yes. Over? No, that's true. Formerly of Zynga. Is this ringing a bell? Yes, this is ringing. I a bell. should be better. I should be better, like informed of these things before talking about them. Yeah. But at the same, like that sort of signaled to some people there. I'm sure that there were big changes on the horizon. Uh, but you're right. Uh, with like with recent games not getting the sort of traction and appeal that their earlier ones did, and you know. Most things that I read about these games is that they're still good, but that the only reason people keep playing them is for, like, the stories. Uh, it's not because, you know, they're getting better with the technical side of it or because they're doing really interesting things with a, with a narrative or whatever. It's just because they're good stories and, like, fun, fun to, fun to uh, fuel, if not just watch. Um, so, like, I, to your point, it feels dirty. <laughs> <laughs> that that like uh, uh i mean what we were just saying about ea with like the question of you know output to business uh viability mm-hmm. this does not sound like a recipe for that does it no no i mean i think ultimately you might just be reaching a critical mass in games where It's it's just ultimately unsustainable, you know, like you can't have a triple A success every time. Yeah. Uh, I mean 
because out of these projects take time. These projects take years. And, you know, like the most lauded games from any generation or just of all time are the product of like years of of, you know, like thought and 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 craft kind of thing. And so like I just don't see how you can see only the return but not not the input kind of thing right Ugh. It's, it's uh it's it, it, it's that, shitty that's but a, it's business <laughs> uh, 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 i'm gonna bleep that out every time we say it now uh yeah like the common refrain when stuff like this happens when the whole visceral thing went down when uh when respawn got you know acquired or you know, I didn't look into the specifics of why they were acquired. If it was, um, uh, well, obviously because it gets supposed to make both of them money, mm -hmm. but like what led to that aside from the bidding war between Nexon and EA, um, and with the whole telltale thing going down, it doesn't, the common refrain is the vid, like video game development is unsustainable yeah. <laughs> because there are very, there are very high goals. It, like the business practices. I actually, I got curious about, um, all this talk about sort of restructuring and uh, and uh, you know relationships between developers and publishers that's happened over the last year or so got me thinking about well combined with the uh, upcoming re-release of L.A. Noir got me thinking about Team Bondi and how that apparently their whole situation like went south with Rockstar and some of their business practices were reported to be not good you know keeping people at the office for incre incredible hours and not really compensating them. It feels like a lot of the industry still feels that way about creative development is that it's not really worth much if it doesn't uh, prove incredibly financially viable. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, I mean, I know that I'm just preaching to the choir sort of because anybody who, uh, you know, I've, I've both heard stories of and heard from people who make games and say that like, Unless you strike it big, it's not going to make you money and it's not like it's a terrible way to make a living sort of. And the most and the people who stay in it the longest are the people who are just most dedicated to it. So when I see headlines about a studio being closed uh, due to financial, you know, uh, underperformance or something like Telltale, where they're still planning to maintain, if not increase their output, which still gives me like still blows me away. Uh it makes me feel like maybe the people making business decisions don't really see that. I mean, obviously it's capitalism at its greatest, but it's, uh, you know, seeing the people who like produce the things that make you money. If they're not making you as much money as they could be, they shouldn't be there. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's gross yeah. is what I'm saying. I think, <laughs> Oh, I, I don't want to like, leave with a bad taste in our mouth but i i think that that's what we kind of have to leave on because we're almost at 40 minutes Ugh. yeah well at least we like at least we didn't feel like we were padding any of it this time sure yeah i feel like we talked we talked pretty straight to the point about this yeah right it, it's 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 grimy it's it's slimy it's it's capitalism I, it's business <laughs> it's business it's shitty but it's business <laughs> Uh, so I think that wraps it up for us. And it certainly wraps it up for me. If I keep talking, yeah. I'm going to say something even more stupid that I regret later on. No, no, that's, 
Actually, yeah, let's no, keep no recording. Regrets. Let's keep recording. <laughs> uh, act, just just cut my we... feet out. Just keep talking. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, uh, then I guess you have listened to, uh, if you made it this far, you have listened to Locked and Moated episode two. Uh, my name is Jason Daphnis. I, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, my name is Seth Zarati. I will make sure he doesn't do this anymore. See you next time. <laughs> See you.